Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are taking time to sift and separate our thoughts and memories to understand why the bad stuff is easier to remember. You could be having a stellar day, everything's going right, one to write down and remember forever, and then you hit a snag. A challenge that might take a little effort and derails you for a moment, but the shift is immediate. This day stinks. You'll never guess what happened to me today. The negative event becomes the marquee of our day, and the traumatic event becomes the marquee of our memories. We revisit it often, protect it fiercely, and even reform it, chiseling away some of the details until it becomes our identity. But what happened to all the good? Where are the mental videos of all the celebrations, high fives, and proud moments? It's time to remove the topsoil of shame and let the light shine in on all of our accomplishments. Who loves a good breakup song or a sappy tearjerker film? Have you ever heard the phrase, I need a good cry? Sadness can be comforting, and in times of need, we look for validation in songs, books, TV shows, and the people who bring the tissue to the pity parties we constantly throw. Just as there is a time and a place for everything, healing is now. If you're stuck behind the warm blanket of regret and can't figure out how to move forward, Stay tuned. It's time we make room for a healthy balance of misery and merrymaking. Let's dive into the why. Why do negative and traumatic events steal our joyful memories? Alina Hugen gets us started with praise is fleeting, but brickbacks we recall found in the New York Times. My sisters and I often marveled that the stories we tell over and over about our childhood tend to focus on what went wrong. We talk about the time my older sister got her finger crushed by a train door on a trip in Scandinavia. We recount the time we almost missed the plane to Israel because my younger sister lost her stuffed animal in the airport terminal. Since fortunately, we've had many more pleasant experiences than unhappy ones, I assume that we were unusual in zeroing in on our negative experiences. But it turns out we're typical. This is a general tendency for everyone, said Clifford Nass, a professor of communication at Stanford University. Some people do have a more positive outlook, but almost everyone remembers negative things more strongly and in more detail. There are psychological and physiological reasons for this. The brain handles positive and negative information in different hemispheres. Professor Nass co-authored The Man Who Lied to His Laptop what machines teach us about human relationships. Negative emotions generally involve more thinking and the information is processed more thoroughly than positive ones. Thus, we tend to ruminate more about unpleasant events and use stronger words to describe them than happy ones. Roy F. Baumeister, a professor of social psychology at Florida State University, captured the idea in the title of a journal article he co-authored in 2001. Bad is Stronger Than Good, which appeared in the review of the general psychology. Research over and over again shows this is a basic and wide-ranging principle of psychology. It's in human nature, and there are even signs of it in animals. 
As the article, which is a summary of much of the research on the subject, puts it, bad emotions, bad parents, and bad feedback have more impact than good ones. Bad impressions and bad stereotypes are quicker to form and more resistance to disconfirmation than good ones. So Professor Bollmeister and his colleagues note, losing money, being abandoned by friends, and receiving criticism will have a greater impact than winning money, making friends, or receiving praise. In an experiment in which participants gained or lost the same amount of money, for instance, the distressed participants expressed over losing the money was greater than the joy that accompanied the gain. Put another way, you are more upset about losing $50 than you're happy about gaining $50. In addition, bad events wear off more slowly than good ones. And just to show that my family's tendency to focus on negative is not unusual, said the author, interviews with children and adults up to 50 years old about childhood memories found a preponderance of unpleasant memories, even among people who rated their childhoods as having been relatively pleasant or happy, said Professor Ballmeister. As with many other quirks of human psyche, there may be an evolutionary basis for this. Those who are more attuned to bad things would have been more likely to survive threats and consequently would have increased the probability of passing along their genes. The article states survival requires urgent attention to possible bad outcomes, but less urgent with regard to good ones. And Professor Nass offered other interesting points. We tend to see people who say negative things as smarter than those who are positive we're more likely to give greater weight to critical reviews. If I tell you that you're going to give a lecture before smarter people, you will say more negative things. Take the work of Teresa M. Amabile, a professor of business administration and director of research at the Harvard Business School. She asked 238 professionals working on 26 different creative projects from different companies and industries to fill out confidential daily diaries over a number of months. The participants were asked to answer questions based on numeric scale and briefly describe one thing that stood out in the day. We found that of all the events that could make for a great day at work, the most important was making progress on meaningful work even a small step forward. A setback, on the other hand, meant that the employee felt blocked in some way for making such progress. Setbacks stood out on the worst days at work. After analyzing some 12,000 diary entries, the professor said she found that the negative effect of a setback at work on happiness was more than twice as strong as the positive effect of an event that signaled progress. And the power of a setback to increase frustration is over three times as strong as the power of progress to decrease frustration. This applies even to the smallest events, she said. If managers or bosses knew this, then they should be acutely aware of the impact they have when they fail to recognize the importance to workers of making progress on meaningful work, criticize, take credit for their employees' work, pass on negative information from on top without filtering, and don't listen when employees try to express grievances. 
The answer then is not to heap meaningless praise onto our employees, or for that matter, our children or friends, but to criticize constructively and sparingly. Professor Nass said that most people can take in only one critical comment at a time. I've stopped people and told them, let me think about this. I'm willing to hear more criticism, but not all at one time. He also said research had shown that how the brain processed criticism and that we remember more after we've heard disapproving remarks than before. Belayed the effectiveness of a well-worn management tool known as the criticism sandwich. That is offering someone a few words of praise, then getting to the meat of the problem, and finally adding a few more words of praise. Professor Nass suggested it's better to offer the criticism right off the bat, then follow with a list of positive attributes. Also, perhaps the very fact that we tend to praise our children when they're young too much and for too many meaningless things, I would argue this means that they don't get the opportunity to build up resilience when they do receive negative feedback. Professor Ballmeister said, if criticism was more common, we might be more accepting of it. Oddly, I find this research in some ways reassuring. It's not just me. I don't need to beat myself up because I seem to fret excessively when things go wrong. It turns out that a strategy I started years ago apparently can be effective. I have a kudos file in which I put all the praise I've received along with emails from friends and families that make me feel particularly good. As Professor Baumeister noted in his study, many good events can overcome the psychological effects of a bad one. In fact, the authors quote a ratio of five goods for every one bad. That's a good reminder that we all need to engage in more acts of kindness towards others and ourselves to balance out the world. I know you've all heard of finding gratitude. I mean, it's the buzzword of the century. You see reminders on home interiors, coffee mugs, journal covers, t-shirts, internet memes, and more. But what does it really mean? The simple explanation is that when your mind is in a negative loop, the easiest way to break it is to conjure up positive memories and thoughts. You can do this by going to your happy place, a mental journey where you can recreate a good memory, time, and place. The more details you can add, like the warmth of the sun, the whisper of the breeze, or the way your face felt from smiling, the better the tool works. Same for finding gratitude. It's not enough to say, I'm thankful for my family, my house, my job, etc. But go two or more levels deeper. I'm thankful for the relationship I have with my children. The closeness I feel when I'm able to help them overcome a challenge or provide feedback and encouragement that makes a difference. I'm thankful for the warmth I feel when I wake up, a satisfying feeling of a good night's sleep, and the protection and comfort of my cozy bed. I'm thankful for the project I'm working on and that the ideas keep coming. I'm grateful that I have colleagues who care and want to collaborate. You get the idea. Add detail, make it personal and relevant to the moment to shift your thinking and set your mind on a positive-seeking mission. Michelle Pereira asks and answers, why do bad memories last longer? Found at scienceabc.com. 
The brain stores highly emotional memories longer than neutral memories. Negative memories are remembered longer because those memories have corresponded with high-stress situations. From an evolutionary standpoint, it's important to remember a highly stressful situation in order to avoid it if it arises in the future. Ever wonder how your memories of the past affect you? Especially the negative ones. Imagine that you're sitting calmly, and out of nowhere, you remember that one time you failed in your presentation, and your peace of mind is shattered. You can feel your palms getting sweaty, your heartbeat increasing, and your gut doing backflips. And then you think to yourself, here we go again. If you think this happens only to you, well, that's absolutely not true. Dwelling on old negative thoughts happens to everyone. Researchers have long been keen to understand the scientific basis behind our negative thoughts. In 2006, researchers Elizabeth Kinzinger from Boston University and Daniel Schachter from Harvard University published their renowned paper on emotional memory recollection. The experiment focused on the memory of the 2004 American League Championship Series of Baseball, where the Boston Red Sox defeated the New York Yankees, chosen because it's considered a highly emotional charged event. The study consisted of three categories, the highly positive Red Sox fans, the highly negative Yankee fans, and the neutral group participants who weren't fans of either team. According to the findings, individuals who were emotionally invested in the outcome of the game, either in favor of their team winning or losing, had better recollections of the event compared to those who had no emotional attachment to the game. These results show that emotional memory was recalled better than non-emotional memory. Not only this, but it was seen that the negative group, fans of the losing Yankees, remembered more in-depth detail of the event than the positive group of the Red Sox fans. This proved that the negative memories are more vividly remembered and are less likely to undergo memory distortion unlike positive memories. Another similar experiment was conducted in 2007, which studied another emotionally charged event, the fall of the Berlin Wall. The participants were divided into groups based on what they felt about the event, those that saw the event as positive and those that saw the event as negative. The results indicated that the highly negative group recalled the event with more factual accuracy than the positive group. Further research involving memory analysis revealed that emotional memory is remembered far more accurately than non-emotional memory. This implies that it's important and useful for us to remember emotional experiences. To understand why emotional experiences are better remembered by the brain, let's look at how the brain stores memory. The chief structure in the brain responsible for memory is the hippocampus. It's a small structure found in the temporal lobe that seems to be crucial for our long-term memories. However, the recollection of emotional memory not only requires the hippocampus, but also the amygdala and regions of the prefrontal cortex. The amygdala is a small almond-shaped structure in the brain that is primarily involved in controlling emotions, especially those of fear and aggression. When an emotional experience is recalled, the emotional aspect of the event is contributed by the amygdala. The more emotional a memory, the greater the activation of the amygdala. 
Several other regions of the prefrontal cortex involved in emotional and social behavior are also seen to inform on emotional memories. Many of these structures are associated with the limbic system, our more primitive feeling part of the brain. Scientists believe that the involvement of the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex during emotional memory recollection helps in memory retrieval. Activation of the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex because of an emotion causes these activated neurons to send impulses to the hippocampus. A large number of impulses sent to the hippocampus is seen to aid and reinforce the memory. However, the definitive underlying pathway of emotional memory recollection is yet to be fully understood. However emotional a memory is, it does not beat the pronounced effect that a negative memory creates. One might wonder how these negative memories have such a great impact on us, but the explanation is quite clear. Studies show that rats remember the place in an experimental setup where it received a shock. FMRI scans of participants having to identify emotional experiences showed an increase in activity of the hippocampus, amygdala, and various regions of the prefrontal cortex when participants recollected negative events. Negative events tend to be stressful and cause our body to release the stress hormones epinephrine and cortisol. PET and fMRI studies show that the action of stress hormones on the amygdala was crucial for controlling and strengthening memory. Epinephrine and cortisol are thought to act on the basolateral amygdala, the BLA, which is responsible for storing fear-conditioned responses. Since these hormones are released under negative circumstances, it leads to the better remembrance of negative events. The amygdala is strongly activated and sends strong emotion-oriented signals to the hippocampus. The overall effect is the pronounced recollection of the negative event, both in the terms of memory and emotion. The baffling thought is, why does our body work towards strengthening negative memories? Why remember something that gives one grief and stress? Scientists believe that this tendency has evolutionary importance. The sole purpose of recollecting negative incidents is for us to remember, recognize, and be aware of such threats in the future. This makes sense considering the prehistoric humans were more likely to encounter life-threatening danger on a regular basis. Negative recollection aided survival. Remembering the time a tiger attacked from behind the trees could mean preventing a similar mistake the next time. But today, there are no tigers waiting for us behind trees. Our definition of negative events has changed in accordance with our lifestyles. A negative grade on a test, a failed presentation, or a traumatic incident such as a mugging are some such negative instances that we are likely to face. A person who has once been mugged is most likely to remember details like the gun, the thief's car, the street at which the incident took place, and so on. One might even remember how faint they felt and how their vision turned blurry in the midst of a stressful situation. From that point onwards, every little thing like the car model or the street might remind the person of the awful incident. 
Nature's reason for making us remember is for us to learn and be aware or be better prepared for such situations in the future. The degree of recollection of a negative incident might vary from person to person. While one individual might vividly recall every detail of the mugging incident, another might be able to remember nothing more than the gun. The amount of stress hormones released and the mnemonic creating patterns of memory formation differs for everyone. However, this doesn't imply that humans only recall negative experiences well. The joyous days of our lives and particularly precious memories are also stored in our hippocampus. Our emotional memories are seemingly immune to easy memory distortion. The haunting effect of a negative memory has come down to us as a gift of evolution. Although it seems more like a bane than a boon, a slight change in perspective is all it takes. Evolution doesn't want the negative thoughts to ring in our heads in order to take away today's peace, but rather to teach us a lesson from the encounter with yesterday's beasts. Sometimes the only way to get over it is to let it go. Memories are in the past, and even though some of them made a significant mark on our lives, we can't go back in history and rewrite it. What we can do is move forward, with it or without it. That's your choice. You've heard people say, I can forgive, but I will never forget. One is great, forgiveness, but vowing to never forget could mean trouble for you and your future. How about learning something from it? Your own mistakes are easy lessons, but what about the bad stuff that comes by the way of other people? You can learn more about yourself. Their lesson doesn't have to diminish your trust or faith, but it can give you clues to how you think and feel about something. It can also prompt you to trust yourself and have more faith in your own abilities. Elizabeth Perry offers some strategies to let go and move on. 15 tips to forget the past, found at betterup.com. Tripping in front of a crowd, a bad breakup, a flubbed line during a presentation. We've all had bad memories and embarrassing moments we prefer to forget. Some are quickly left behind. Other events can stick with you, like heartbreak. Letting go of the past isn't easy. We might struggle with traumatic memories in particular. Traumatic memories are intense and seem like they take control over our whole bodies. They can be visual flashbacks that cause us to feel physically ill. These can cause us to experience headaches, profuse sweating, stomach aches, and feel weak. We may also feel the impact of extreme stress after we think we've moved past the flashback. So while it's understandable to want to put your energy towards living a happier life, that's often easier said than done. But there are benefits when you learn to forget traumatic moments from the past or remember them less with less intense emotions. That's true, too, for unpleasant memories of the past that aren't traumatic, like embarrassing moments from middle school that still occasionally flash in your brain. In doing so, you'll adopt a growth mindset, enabling you to think about the future, grow, and experience all life offers. The American Psychological Association defines trauma as an emotional and potentially physical response to any terrible event, like an assault or a natural disaster. Less serious events like tripping in front of a crowd or receiving a bad grade 
still result in negative feelings and discomfort when we reflect on those moments. But a trauma response can make it seem like we're living in the past and experiencing the event just as intensely. If you experience long-term effects from a traumatic event that disrupt your quality of life, you may be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD can cause physical symptoms like migraines or nausea, difficulty sustaining relationships, and more. Traumatic memories manifest in different ways and can affect any aspect of your life, from your career to your relationships. This can dictate how you live, your choices, and your overall physical well-being or emotional well-being. Here are three types of trauma responses. Number one, emotional responses. Recalling negative memories can cause people to feel all sorts of emotions like anger, sadness, and embarrassment. Memories can also be a source of anxiety for people. Those who have endured violent incidents may have the emotions and memories of such incidents triggered by unexpected circumstances. Returning to the scene of a trauma, for example, can cause a person to experience the same fear or anger they felt at the time. Number two, cognitive response. A true traumatic event isn't something simple like spilling food on yourself. Instead, it's a significantly harmful experience that negatively impacts cognitive capabilities. When PTSD symptoms take over, we don't have as much energy for our daily lives. This can result in cognitive difficulties like forgetfulness and brain fog. We might misplace things often or miss meetings and bill payments due to our difficulty in concentrating. Individuals with PTSD often don't cope as well with minor incidences and daily disruptions either. Any confrontation that causes feelings similar to the traumatic event can trigger its memory, meaning a simple dispute with a family member might cause the events reliving. Number three, physical response. Traumatic events might trigger people to respond physically to situations. You might sweat or have an increased heart rate when thinking over an embarrassing or scary situation. More severe trauma might promote panic attacks and physical pain associated with the incident, like a painful wrist when recalling a bad sprain. Research has also found that our bodies can respond to traumatic events by struggling to sleep. Our bodies feel exhausted, but we're so agitated that we can't relax. A lack of sleep contributes to other physical, cognitive, and emotional responses. If we can't rest our bodies, our minds can't rest either. Traumatic events and the associated stress can cause disturbances and pain in our gastrointestinal, musculoskeletal, and respiratory systems. Emotion and memory are intrinsically linked. Our brains store the emotions experienced in our memory of a moment. You can think a structure in your brain called the amygdala for this. The amygdala is in charge of emotional regulation and how memories are processed through the brain. Memories we recall easily are usually associated with intense emotions, negative or positive. When we pay attention to the memories fired off by our amygdala, we can reflect on our achievements and learn from past mistakes. Recollecting painful memories and past experiences is one way of improving emotional intelligence. We 
can remember how difficult something was to notice, how far we've come, or use a positive memory to improve our current headspace. These recollections contribute to our moving forward. Focusing only on negative experiences isn't altogether useful, so it's important to try and see the positive in these experiences and let go when feelings are too challenging. Research into the links between memory and emotion has found that reframing negative memories to focus on positive aspects creates more healthy brain functioning. There's something to be said about the power of positive thinking. After a difficult experience, you'll likely go through a period of reflection. You might play the event over in your head or mourn any changes the situation caused. This is perfectly normal and a healthy response. Reflecting lets us accept the experience into our lives and make any necessary changes. If the experience was particularly traumatic, reflection might be painful or even unnecessary. If you're feeling safe, ready, and willing, here are some ways to turn your mind toward the experience. Journaling. There really has to be something to this and meditation because it's a solution for maintaining a high sense of well-being. Don't overthink it, people. Just write what you're thinking. Practicing mindfulness. Going for a long walk. Chatting about it with a friend or family member. As you reflect, ask yourself the following questions. Did I develop a new skill or gain resiliency due to this event? A bad breakup might conjure up some negative emotions, but that shouldn't negate what you gain from the experience. Purposely focus on your personal growth to get more from every situation. What would help me move past what just happened? Staying present to appreciate what we have and turning our minds toward the future to focus on our goals our productive habits. But to move forward, we must make peace with our past. Otherwise, stress triggers will prevent us from moving on. Is there a friend or family member I trust to talk to about this? Embarrassing, sad, or traumatic experiences are difficult to talk about. But when we don't share, everyone feels alone in their more troubling experiences. You might feel more supported and less alone after sharing. Were there any positive moments before and after this experience you could focus on? Don't let negative feelings distract you from positive ones. Sure, you fumbled during a presentation, which caused you some embarrassment. But you also articulated well and remembered every important fact. That's worth celebrating. Remember, there's a time limit to reflecting on the past, once you feel you've come to terms with what's happened and can draw some positives from the experience, move forward, taking a positive outlook and those lessons with you. There's no one way to move on from negative or traumatic memories. Some people find success with specific strategies that others struggle with. So here are 15 tips. Consider if any complement your existing routine and lifestyle or if you're willing to try them out. Keep your distance from people or locations that might trigger adverse reactions. Incorporate self-care into your daily routine. Spend time with positive people with whom you have healthy relationships. 
The way they see you may inspire you to see yourself differently. Swap out negative thoughts for positive self-talk. Let yourself feel your emotions rather than deny them. All emotions are valid. It's our responses to them that we need to be attentive to. Take a social media hiatus to live in the present moment. Understand that some people may never apologize to you. Number eight, forgive yourself for any past mistakes you've made. When you carry resentment, you're only hurting yourself, not the person you resent. Forgive others, which is more about your well-being than theirs. Write down your goals and make a plan for your progress. Practice mindfulness to help you recenter your focus. Acknowledge how far you've come. Be grateful to those who've helped you, and most importantly, to yourself. Recognize the damage that trauma can do to your mental and physical health and be patient with yourself as you recover. Make new memories to distract you from old ones. And accept that you can't change the past. With some bad memories, particularly ones rooted in trauma, you may need help to move on. There's no need to struggle alone while working through a traumatic event's impact. Studies have shown that our overall mental health is better when we have a solid social support system. Our social support can come from friends, family, and even coworkers. It's also been found that people without social support are at an increased risk of mental health issues. The positive impact that our support system has on us helps us feel more motivated, safe, and loved. But while your best friend could be a great person to talk to, they may not understand or be equipped to give you the support that you need. Sometimes it's impossible to leave the past behind without proper help. See a licensed mental health professional about memories and events that amplify depression, anxiety, or PTSD. A social worker, psychologist, or psychiatrist can suggest and start you on a treatment plan to make a significant difference. They could offer coping strategies you never thought of before or prescribe medication. You can't resolve the emotional pain of traumatic events and bad memories with a Band-Aid. It's hard to accept that there's no way to go back in time and prevent those events from happening or live without those experiences. Sometimes you may take a few steps backward, but healing is never linear. Learning how to forget past mistakes isn't an easy process. Along the way, make sure you're patient with yourself. A victory is a victory, no matter how big or small. Learning how to forget about the past means you're allowing yourself to live in the present. It's a way of life that will benefit you in the long run. You can create space for your professional growth while also prioritizing your personal life, leading to a sense of assurance and overall wellness. It's the life we all deserve to live. Every year, Matt and I intentionally note what went right throughout the year. Typically, it's in regard to the goals we would have set the year before. How many did we accomplish and what happened to the rest? Inevitably, there are things we add that came out of the blue. Awesome wins that we didn't even plan or prepare for. We don't spend time on what went wrong. 
In fact, if we didn't get to a goal, we note why, and then we move on to the reevaluating the goal, whether it's still needed, do we want to re-add it to the list, or alter it in any way. A friend of mine keeps a calendar with her husband and just writes things they do within the spaces. And then at the end of the year, they have a ball going back through all the entries. The idea is, it might take a reminder in an intentional way, because our brains give priority to negative or challenging events. You may have to make sure the positive and rewarding receives their rightful place. On Jay Shetty's YouTube channel, I found why you remember the bad times more than you remember the good times. Let's take a listen. It's said that we have around 60,000 thoughts per day and 80% of those thoughts are negative. See, the thing is you remember the bad times more than you remember the good times. Whenever something bad happens, you literally cry about it for a week, a month, a year. But when something good happens, we celebrate for a day and then we just forget about it. We let it just disappear. And so when it comes to our dark moments, our bad times, we remember them so much more emotively. They're so much more deeply experienced, right? Like when you feel that punch in the gut from a breakup or losing your job or getting rejected or a failure. It's such an emotional experience. It's such a deep, immersive experience that you get completely submerged in. But when something good happens, when there's a good time, you celebrate for one night. That's it. You celebrate for one day and that's it. You forget about it. And so at the end of the year or at the end of a month or at the end of a day, it's so much more easier to remember the negative moments, the negative memories because they consume us. When we live through a negative experience, we feel it through all of our senses. We can remember what it feels like. We can remember what it sounds like, what it smells like. But when we go for a good moment or a good memory or a good experience, we're not immersed in the same way because I guess we take it for granted. We, we take it loosely. We feel that we'll find another one of those and we hope that we'll just trip over or stumble over into another one of those amazing memories. But with these negative memories, we hold on to them. We bury them deep. And that's why they stay there for such a long time. And that's why it's so easy to bring them back up. Next time you want to take a real positive mental picture, the best thing to do, the best thing to really be where you are, to be present in that moment is to use something that's known as the 54321 method. You want to think of right now, you want to look at five things that you can see. So if you're in a beautiful moment exploring with one of your best friends, if you're having one of the best experiences of your life with a loved one, the first thing you want to do is press pause, stop, and look around at five things that you can see any of the five things around you at this given time. And then you wanna look at four things that you can touch physically, tangibly touch around you, four things that you can touch in that moment. And then it's about the three things that you can hear. What are the three things that you can hear in this moment that you wanna keep and treasure forever? And then what are the two things that you can smell? What are the two scents in that space, in that moment? that will allow you to reconnect with it at any moment. And then the one is, what's the one thing you can taste? It might be nothing, it could be tasteless, but just bringing our senses into the present by five things 
that you can see, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, one thing that you can taste, you will take a mental picture of that moment and it will last forever. So it's about time that we started appreciating our wins more. It's about time that we started immersing ourselves in positive experiences more deeply so that we could remember them when times are tough. share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, seek out joyful memories to overshadow the tough ones. Be willing to part ways with rumination as you invite in more gratitude and gentle life lessons. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here.